0: God is so good. Go ahead, say that. Yeah, God is so good. What did they say? Oh, They said all the time? Uh, Yeah, so we got a video clip today and instead of me reading the scripture, we've got the scripture read in in an interesting way and you can tell me if you like it after you see it. So let's see that, Scotty. Yee-haw! <laughs> oh, did you like that? No? Okay, we won't ever do it again. We're uh, looking at part two of this uh, message on the prodigal son. Last week, we talked about the prodigal's father. And this week, I want to talk about the prodigal son. I didn't say prodigal's son. <laughs> We're talking about the prodigal son. What does the word prodigal mean, by the way? It just simply means somebody who's reckless, uh, recklessly wasteful. And uh, just basically living the way he shouldn't live. A bad person, if you want to call him that. A sinner, if you want to use that word. But somebody who's definitely not living the way he's supposed to to live. Now, I'd like us to take a look at just a a portion of that passage that was read by the fellow in the chair. And uh, let's take a look at those uh, few verses. And if you would do me the honor of reading along with me, I'd appreciate that so much. And it begins... He longed to fill his stomach. By the way, who is he? The prodigal, the guy that's not living the way he's supposed to. Ready? Here we go. And by the way, that guy that's wiping his, his tears, that's the prodigal, in case you didn't know. Are you ready? Anytime? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, go. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him any. When he came to his senses, he said... How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now, I just want to remind everybody that this is a story. This is not a true story. In other words, that this is not a, like a historical figure. You couldn't go back to the history books and find this guy. It's just a story. Jesus is telling a story. And the reason he's telling this story is to help us, help you and me, understand his father. He wants us to understand who his dad is. And you say, well, that sounds something like very familiar language to use in reference to God. But by the way, can I just tell you this? God chose to reveal himself that way as a father, uh, as a daddy. Because that's what Abba father means, daddy. Amazing, isn't it, that God revealed himself that way? And so here's the thing. Jesus has come, has come from the heart of the Father to us. That's why he was born. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why he came to this earth is because he wanted to teach us something about his Father. And what did he want to teach us? He wanted to teach us how important it is to get into a right relationship with his dad, with his father. Some people call him God. Some people call him Jehovah. Some call him Lord. But he's our father. And he wants you and I to have a relationship with him. Now, here's the thing. Is that absolutely every one of us here has been a prodigal at some time. Each and every one of us, at one time or another, has gotten into a position where we have not been close to God. In fact, some of us here today may be in that position, where we are not where we ought to be. You know, you you at one time experienced intimacy with God. You were close to God. But as you're sitting here today, you'd say, you know what? I didn't feel like singing. My heart wasn't in it. I remember the days when I was so excited and so on fire and so turned on to God. But I don't feel like that today. Well, God sent his son Jesus to give us this parable to show us how we can get back into that place where we are enjoying intimacy with him, where we're close to him again. And so the very first thing that we recognize with this prodigal is that he had to hit rock bottom first. And look what it says there. He longed to, could you read that with me? He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now I gotta ask you this question. How low do you have to get? How low do you have to get when the The thing that would bring you great happiness and great joy is that you get to eat with pigs. How low does that, how low do you have to be when that would be the thing that would bring you great joy? And that's where this guy was. Now remember, he came from a very wealthy home. He had the, I mean, he, he was one of the wealthiest in the land when he lived with his dad. Best clothes, best food. He had authority, recognition. People knew him. He was famous. And now here he is. The thing that would make him happy would be just to have something that the pigs were eating. Now, most of us grew up in the city, and not many of us are from the farm, but uh, I remember going to visit some of my relatives that lived um, out in the country. They had all kinds of animals. And I remember uh, a very distinct memory from my childhood, my early childhood, is um, we were visiting my aunt and uncle, uh, Newton Edna, down in, in Mather, Manitoba. Anybody know where Mather is? Um Lots of lots of animals and farms there, and uh, we just finished eating, and I, I saw my aunt uh, taking the leftover food off the plates and scraping it into a bucket. You know, bits of bits of half-eaten meat and and a little bit of half-eaten vegetables and a little bit of potatoes that hadn't been finished up and and gravy and just just scraping it into this bucket. And it's like it's so gross. I said, Auntie, what are you doing? Why don't you just throw it into the garbage? said, oh no no this is this is food? I said, food? <laughs> Which one of your kids eats this stuff? <laughs> uh, no, it's for the pigs. It's for the pigs. I said, you mean to tell me those those pigs would eat this stuff? It stings. Oh yeah, they love it. Well, I'm, I'm 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 looking at it, and I'm getting that reflex. Anybody know the reflex I'm talking about? It's like Argh! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Debbie. I know that affects you badly. <laughs> I'm 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 starting to lose it here and this is what this is what they feed to the pigs Now how low do you have to get when the thing that makes you happy is being able to eat with the pigs you're eating Well, that's where this guy is. He is at rock bottom He's he is lower than the low I want to ask you this question this morning. Why do we sometimes experience such difficulty in our lives? What does God allow it? What does God allow us situations where we're literally brought to tears? Where life becomes uncomfortable for us. I've, I've heard people say, you know, if God was a God of love, he's really in charge, and he wouldn't let this kind of suffering go on. Listen to me. Sometimes God the Father, our Father in heaven, is, is just being a father. How many know that today? Sometimes God allows you to hit rock bottom before He steps in and does what He needs to do for you. And by the way, can I just say this, those of you who are parents, sometimes the best thing you can do as a parent is allow your son or daughter to experience consequences. James Dobson calls it "tough love." I'm going to tell you this: if there's no consequences, then there's no learning. And if there's no learning, then there's no returning to the Father. So here's this prodigal he's just hit rock bottom and he suddenly realized man, this is I was not raised like this This is I was meant for more than this Well, here's the thing that god wants you and I to learn He wants it's really important to get this. He wants us to learn what happens When we follow our will rather than his will when you follow your will my friends It's going to lead you down a trail of sadness, of grief and pain and suffering and difficulty and struggle. And we end up eating with the pigs. But understand this. When you live the way that God wants you to live and when you obey Him and do what He wants to do, and listen to me, and stay close to His heart. I'm not talking about oh I go to church on Sunday and I you know I I, I thumb through the daily bread real quick on my way to work and that, I'm not ta- I'm talking about real intimacy with with the Father where you talk to Him and and you hang out with Him. Yesterday uh, Jesse was at work, Gloria was at work, and Nicholas was out with his friends, and it was just Sarah and myself. And I said Sarah let, let's go out together. And called some of her friends and we just went and hung hung out together. And uh, I said what do you want to do? She says let's go see Hannah Montana. okay, dear. <laughs> and we were, we went to see Hannah Montana. Well, we were there. Little, uh I shouldn't say little. Sorry, Scott. Scott Moyer says, you're going to see Hannah Montana. I feel sorry for you, he says. <laughs> well, guess what? I wanted to tell you this, Scott. It was fantastic. Because basically, this it's a story about a young girl who's uh do I get into this? It was a movie star. Not a movie star, a singing star. And, um, and her dad is her manager. And her and her dad are like this. And so we're sitting there, and Sarah is sitting beside me. And she's holding my hand. <gasps> and she's got her arm around me. And she puts her head on my shoulder. She says, Daddy, thank you so much for bringing me here. And I said, do I come again? <laughs> we can go every day. This is fantastic. Now, listen to me. I want you to get the picture. Because this is exactly what your Father in heaven wants for you. He wants to have that kind of relationship with you. where you can, You're literally putting your head on his shoulder and he's holding your hand. Whenever you do things your way, it gets you into a major mess. And God wants the best for you. And I'm going to tell you, it's not always perfect with Sarah and me. Sometimes I make her do things she doesn't want to do. In fact, sometimes, folks, I make her cry. Because I make her practice her piano. (laughs) And she, she has declared that she hates it. Hates it with all her being. She cannot stand it. And me, the mean old dad, says... I don't care. <laughs> you can hate it as much as you want. In fact, you can cry as much as you want. You're going to learn how to play the piano. You want to know one of the reasons why I'm a mean old dad? It's because I wish I would had a parent that forced me to learn the piano. Because that's a parent's job. Now listen, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Your father in heaven loves you so much. He wants the very, very best for you. In fact, he knows what's best for you better than you know what's best for you. And he wants you to do his will. Not because he's some kind of an egomaniac in heaven who's got you on strings and makes you jump. That's not God. He's a loving father who wants the best for you. I want my kids to be a success in life. I want them to be happy in life. I want them to have a good life. I want them to do well in life. That is what I want as a father. And I can tell you, the Bible is very clear. That if, if I, who am an earthly father, know how to do good things for my children, how much more will my Father in heaven do what's good for me? Hallelujah. Now listen to me, friends. If you've hit rock bottom in your life right now, you're not where you need to be. Could it be that God, the Father is just tapping you on the shoulder and saying, are you, are you done yet doing it your own way? Are you, are you, are you done trying to, trying to figure this out on your own? Can you just hear the Father saying, son, daughter, I love you too much. Like when, when are you going to, when are you going to come back to me and, and let me, let me help you with this? I mean, I've got three kids and I can tell you, they all go through that phase where they all say, I'm going to do it myself. Let me do it myself. And so they got their runners on, and they're pointing in different directions. You know what I'm talking about? They got their shoes on the wrong feet. <laughs> and I, I I, can't, I, can't, there's, I don't know what, it, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, some kind of compulsive disorder I've got, I don't know. I can't stand to see shoes on the wrong feet. <laughs> and I was like, let me, and they're tripping because they can't walk properly because their shoes are... My friends, get a, get a, get a, get in your head, in your heart, how much God loves you, and how much God wants the best for you. Maybe you've hit rock bottom in your career right now. I don't know. Maybe you're you're pursuing a career that you know in, in the depths of your heart you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing something else. You should be doing what God wants you to do in the first place. I know people who have who have been called by God to go into ministry to be a missionary in Africa and help poor people, and they they refuse that. They don't want to do it, and they're never happy. And then suddenly they say one day, okay, God, all right, then I'll do it your way. And then suddenly a joy and happiness comes to them that you can't put a price tag on. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart. Maybe you are... Like that prodigal, you're, you're, you know, things are just a mess. You've hit rock. Your relationships aren't good. Your friendships aren't what they ought to be. You know, you're you're fighting with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. I don't know. Your health isn't good. you got spilling a bit of depression. You're down in the You're just not, you know you're not where you need to be. I want you to know something. Jesus said this. I've come that you might have life and have it how? More miserably? <laughs> no, more abundantly. That's what God wants for you. And here's the thing, when you get close to the heart of the Father, that's when you begin to experience that abundant life that He wants for you. That's His will. His will is not that you keep hitting rock bottom and keep suffering and keep going through the mill. That's not God's will. Unless you're following your own will, then it is. Yesterday was a funeral for Cal Murphy, not the former... Uh, coach for the Blue Bombers, but um, an old, old family friend, grew up at Calvary Temple, played in the brass band, played the cornet, just uh, just real from a real good Christian family. And uh, he made some some bad choices. Rather than doing the will of the Father, he did his own will. And what happened in a nutshell is that Cal ended up hanging out with the wrong people. And he got a job as a welder, went up north, and rather than hanging out with, with those who know Christ and would be a good influence on him, he started going to the bar with his pals. And he said, you know, I, started, I didn't take any drinks. I, didn't, I was like, I was pure, I didn't touch anything like that. But he said, I found myself engaging more and more and more with this crowd and he, Cal, if you knew him, had a, a great sense of humor. He could just make you laugh. he just just have to look at you, and you'd start laughing. You know, people like that. Just And so he was a. everybody wanted to have him around. He was a great fun. And then he said this. He said, you know what? One of the guys said, look, just have a beer. I mean, everybody in Germany drinks beer, and they're not all staggering in the streets of Germany. So have a beer. It won't harm you. The next thing you know, one beer was followed by another beer until finally Cal became an alcoholic and basically lost just about everything near and dear to him. It was one Christmas in 1982. He was home alone with his wife. His kids didn't want anything to do with him and his grandkids wanted nothing to do with him. And uh, he said, I sat there and I recognized what a mess my life had become. In that moment, he said, I knew that something had to change. You see, Cal had Hit rock bottom. He couldn't go any lower. And he knew this was not what God wanted for him. And I wonder today maybe you're one of those people that's here today and you've hit rock bottom and, and your finances are not good, your marriage is not good, your family, you're, you're fighting with your kids, your kids are fighting with you, your work is just a disaster. You know, I've I, I got to say this. You show me a, a Christian who's unhappy and miserable, and I'll show you a Christian. Who's not living according to his father's will? I'll show you a Christian who's forgotten what it means to stay close to the heart of the father because God the Father wants you to know the joy that comes walking with him. So here's Cal. And he said, I, I, I just I don't want to be here anymore. I'm sick of this. I'm st- sick of hanging out with the pigs. And that was the beginning of a turnaround. It began the process of reflection. And, folks, that is the second step in getting your life back on track, reflection. Look what it says here. When he came to his senses, I love that. In, in the Greek, it says when he came to himself. In other words, when he, when he finally sort of got back to who he really was. And i got to say this. God, I remember I said last week how much God values you. You're You're of great value to God. And I said last week, if, if I've got two sons and a daughter, and if Jesse said to me one day, "Dad, that's it. I'm leaving home. I'm out of here," I wouldn't say, "That's okay. I got another son. Away you go. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out." I wouldn't say that. Why? Because even though I've got a second son, there's no way on the face of this earth that Nicholas could take Jesse's place in any way, shape, or form. Because Jesse holds a place in my heart that nobody else will ever be able to fill. In case you think I'm showing favoritism, guess what? Nicholas also holds a place in my heart that Jesse could not fill and nobody else could fill. I want you to know this today. You hold a place in the heart of the Father that nobody else can fill. Only you can fill that place because God loves you so much. And when you run from God and when you're away from God, His heart aches. It breaks. When you return to the Father, I'll tell you, you know what he gets? He gets all his choirs of angels in heaven. We're talking millions of angels singing and rejoicing because you're back home. That's how much he loves you. He values you. You are the most important thing to him. Now, can I just point something out to you real quickly? This is what distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. Is that we're not practicing a religion, my friends. We're engaged in a relationship with God. And the only way that you can get to know God is through His Son Jesus. Because listen to me, that was the reason why Jesus came from heaven to this earth. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus came here. To introduce you to his father. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we celebrate. Jesus has come to reveal the father to you. And now he could come revealing God the father as a judge with the robes and the ready to doesn't God doesn't want to reveal himself that way. He could reveal him as the boss. He could reveal him as the taskmaster, the slave master. No, Jesus is sent from the heart of the father to reveal God as a loving father. That's who he is and he loves you. Now, here's this poor kid. Just sidled up beside the pigs. Probably eating like a pig too. And he starts thinking about his life. He starts reflecting. I know better than this. I know better than. Th- what am I doing here? I mean, my father's got hired men who eat better than this. They got food to spare. This is not what I, this is not what God intended for me. This is this is not what God wants for me. And it was at that moment he starts thinking about how how well he ate in his father's house. He starts thinking about how well he was dressed and how he was respected and how all his needs were met and how he was happy and content with life, how he had responsibilities. And he says, what am I doing? Have you had that moment? And by the way, can I just say this? This message is not just for people who've never come to Christ, who are backslidden. This is for all of us who maybe have drifted a little way, a bit away from the heart of the Father. Because I want you to know something today. I've got to remind you of this, is that you have a relationship with the Father. It's not a religion. And if you're not on fire and ecstatic about God and about Christ and about what Jesus has done for you, then you've drifted. You're not near to the heart of the Father the way He wants you to. And so here's the thing. You need to do some reflecting and start thinking. Am I as happy as, now as a believer as I was when I first became a because How many remember when they first became a Christian? Nobody remembers. Everybody is like, how many are awake today? Put your, do you remember that moment when you came to, how many remember the happiness and the joy? Just wave at me. I was happy. And those of you who were not happy when you became a Christian, wave at me. <laughs> okay, there's a few there. Oh no. You remember those moments. You remember that moment. Do you still feel that happiness, that joy? If you don't, then there's been some drift and you need to get back on track again. I remember Don Davidson a few years ago gave his testimony. You know, you know Don Davidson? And he uh, he said that he, he'd had a really, he'd hit rock bottom. He said he got to the point where he'd have a bottle of whiskey and, with a straw in it. Now that's bad. <laughs> he's, hit, he's hit rock bottom, and there he is, uh, having a sip. And he said he would just he'd sit in his lazy boy chair, feet up, watch TV, and just fall asleep in his chair. And one day, like Kel Murphy, he heard a voice in his heart that just said, "You know better than this." He grew up in a Christian home, and he'd walk with the Lord, and he'd experienced God powerfully, mightily in his life. You know better than this. Some friend had invited him to, to, to his church, and uh, it was a church that didn't really preach the gospel, if you know what I mean. He was called to sing in the choir, and so he did. He said, "I was sitting there in the choir loft, and all of a sudden, the preacher stood up to preach. And rather than preaching from the scriptures, he decided he was going to preach on the virtues of Kermit the Frog." Does nobody else think that's funny? I think it's hilarious. Imagine a preacher standing up, and a man who ordained, who's been to seminary, training, trained in the scriptures, and and knowing the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, and he stands up and he's extolling the virtues of Kermit the Frog. You're starting to get it now, aren't you? It's ridiculous. It's, this is ridiculous. And Don says that in that moment, he, had, he heard that voice in his heart again. He said, Don, you know better than this. He said that was the moment when he went back to church, the church where he knew the gospel was preached, and he surrendered his life to Jesus. Now, I've got to tell you something today, my friends. It was there that, that Don got back on track. But you see, he was, he was struggling because he knew that he'd been doing bad things. He knew he wasn't living the way he was supposed to live. He knew he wasn't living the way he was raised. It certainly wasn't the Christianity that he grew up with. And so he said, you know, I've gone too far. God can't accept me. I, I'm, I'm too bad. You know, the prevailing view among religious, I didn't say, I didn't say, I didn't say people have a strong relationship with God. I'm saying religious people. You know what religious people are? They they think they've got it. They do everything right, but they're dead inside. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen people like that. People call themselves Christians. did you see have you seen that that video that I think it was a video clip, but I think it was on TV? That that Baptist church. And by the way, not all Baptists are like this, just this one that calls itself Baptist. They they were protesting at a funeral of a young man who died of AIDS and and the, and the protesters, in the name of Jesus, if you can believe this, are saying God hates fags. God hates fags. If anybody's here today and think that represents Christianity, that represents Satan and everything evil. That does not represent God. God does not hate fags. God sent his son to die for them. I want you to know something today. God does not hate sinners, and he does not hate bad people, and he does not hate weak people. And God does not hate the people that sin and fail and fumble the ball and mess up. God loves them so much that he sent his son to die. And take away the punishment that you and I deserve. Can I tell you something else? It's not just the righteous and the religious and the holier-than-thou and the self-righteous that think God hates bad people, but sinners think God hates... Bad people as well. Did you know that? People who do wrong and live wrong and don't live the way they're supposed to live, they, they think that God hates them. But I want you to know something, my friends. That is a lie. That's something that just comes out of your own heart. And why do you feel that God hates you? I'll tell you why you feel that. It's because of guilt. Because of your own shame. Because you messed up. Because you didn't live the way you were supposed to. Because you didn't do the things you were supposed to do. And you know in your heart that you failed so miserably. And you think there's no way God could love me or accept me or embrace me. And I want you to know today that you're so wrong. God loves you. Not because you've done wrong, but because he created you. Because you're lost and because you belong to him. That's Jesus' mission, you know. His mission was to come. It's what it says in the Scripture. Jesus was sent to this earth to do what? What was his mission? Is to come to seek and to save what was lost. God loves you today. And you need to do some reflecting on where you're at right now spiritually. And if you're not where you need to be, then I want you to know God does not come condemning or judging. He comes loving and calling you back to himself. And I'm going to say this. We're taking a bit longer on this point, but it's very important you understand it. That once you understand this relationship between you and God, you are his, he is your father and you are his child. Once you understand that, it will absolutely revolutionize your Christianity. It'll revolutionize your theology. It'll revolutionize the way that you see God. It'll revolutionize the way you understand God in relationship to those that don't know him. See him as a father who loves you and loves those who are broken and lost and hurting. J.I. Packer, the great English theologian, you know what he said? He said, if you don't understand your relationship to God as father-child, if, if you don't get that, so you, you, will, you will never understand who God is and you'll never understand the scriptures and you'll never enjoy intimacy with him. You'll never get that. You need to understand this. I don't know how to, how to express it more, but to say this. Stop and reflect on it. Think about this. I love my kids, and I'd do anything for them. And there's nothing that brings me greater delight than to have Sarah put her head on my shoulder and say, Daddy, I love you. I'll say it again, honey. <laughs> Daddy, I love you, and I love you too, sweetheart. And I'd do anything for you. And I want to tell you to know something. That's exactly your Father in heaven. He loves you that much. When you get that in your head and your heart, it will revolutionize your your reading of the Scripture. It will revolutionize your prayer. It will revolutionize your your, your studying. Whatever you do, it will revolutionize who you are. We're not talking about religion now, my friends. We're talking about a relationship with Almighty God. One last thing I need to tell you quickly, and that's this. You need to repent. So well, that sounds like a real Christian word, religious word. But what does the word repentance mean anyways? Well, you know the root. Of, we told you this before. Metanoia. It's uh, this idea of, of change. Repentance. I'm, I'm sorry. I want to change. And so here's what the son's going to say to his dad. He said, I'll set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. That's repentance. Can I tell you something? (laughs) One of the most difficult things for any human being to say is, I'm sorry. And you really know that once you get married. It's hard to say sorry, isn't it? It's like, I'm sorry, but you started it. I saw some husbands go like this to their wife. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings, but I didn't mean to. I'm sorry if your feelings are hurt. What kind of apology is that? I'm so sorry that you're so oversensitive that you would be hurt. No, listen. This, this son comes back. No excuses. Just, I'm sorry, dad. I majorly messed up. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I've sinned. I've let you down. I failed you, Dad. Dad, help. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a mess. I don't deserve anything from you, Dad, but I'm coming to you because, Dad, I, I know from the past that you love me, care about me. I ask you this question this morning, why is it that we find it so difficult to come to God and enter into intimacy with him and I thought about that, and I think here if, here's here's maybe a possibility. Could it be that maybe it's just pride you don't you don't want to admit you're wrong, you don't want to admit that maybe you you didn't measure up or you didn't do what you're supposed to Could that be it? Well, now just think about how absurd it is now. So here's this prodigal son. Just had his face in a pig trough. He got slop on his face and he comes to his dad. Now, how much pride can a person have with pig crap all over his face? How, how, how much? But there he is. There he is saying, dad, I'm sorry. No pride. Nothing but raw Humility, I'm sorry. Could it be the fear of consequences? My brother, Carrie. he's an older brother, and he's a typical older brother. And uh, I have to say, older brothers are mean and nasty people. Would anybody agree to that? My father, My brother would find out that my dad was upset with me. You know what he would do just to torment me? He would catch me before I, before I got home, and he'd say, Alan you are in such big trouble. Dad is so mad at you. You are gonna get it. And he would scare the living daylights out of me. And guess what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to see my dad. I didn't want to go near him. I didn't want to see my papa because my brother had led me to believe that my dad was so mad at me that he was going to kill me. (laughs) I can tell you that my dad hasn't killed me yet if you didn't notice. And here I am. In fact, I can tell you this. Your father in heaven doesn't want to see you harmed or hurt in any way. He loves you. And he wants you to enjoy an abundant life. A life of happiness and fulfillment. Some are afraid to go to God because they think that maybe God will reject them. They feel like maybe they've gone too far. That they've just done too many bad things. There's no hope. There's no way God dad will God will let would take me back. There's no way. I, I've just messed up too bad and I may as well Just forget it. That's a lie. Maybe you feel that you've made too many mistakes in life and that you've just sort of used up your quota of forgiveness and it's all done. There's none left. Can I tell you something today? God's grace, God's mercy, God's love knows no bounds. It's infinite. How much does God love you? How many times will he forgive you? I'll tell you. The same amount that he expects us to love and forgive others. And it's 70 times 7. You know what that means? There's no end in sight. And I can tell you this. God's calling you. If you failed him and you dropped the ball and you feel that God can't accept, you can't embrace, you can't love you. But i tell you this. Run to him. Run to him. His arms are wide open, and he loves you. And he wants you to be restored to fellowship with him. Oh, that we would come to our senses and see how much God loves us. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Fathers, we stop to consider who you are. As we stop to consider how much you love us. You're calling us, Lord, back to your heart, back to you. Some of us have have, have hit rock bottom and in a manner of speaking, we're eating with the pigs. Some of us are experiencing depression in our lives. Our health is not what it ought to be. Broken relationships broken friendships, problems in marriage, family, career, finances. God, you allow these things so that we come to the place where we say, God, help. Father, help. Help us, we pray, Lord, to take the time to reflect and to come to our senses and to recognize that in your house, all our needs are met. With you, there is no want, no need. Help us, we pray, O God, to come to that place of repentance where we say, sorry, I want to change. God, we thank you that your word tells us clearly beyond a shadow of a doubt that those who come to you will be in no wise cast out. Help us, Lord, we pray to trust you, to surrender to you. And to allow you to start leading us in the way that we should go, because your will is best, and you know best for us. We thank you, God. We don't have to go through this life alone. We thank you that we have your help and strength. I wonder today while everybody's eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, and to pastor, I wish you'd pray for me because I know I'm not where I need to be, and I want to get back on track. Would you pray for me, pastor? Would you just lift your, raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to be embarrassing you or making you do anything you should humiliate you in any way. But I do want to pray for you. Thank you. Yeah, there's hands. You're saying, yeah, pray, pray for me. I'll get back on track. I need to get back to where I need to be. Father, thank you. Thank you for these hands that have been raised. Thank you, God, for this longing for relationship with the Father. You're calling us, Lord, back to the heart of the Father. So, God, have your way in us. Shape us. Mold us. Make us into the people that you want us to be. And there will be our joy and our happiness and our contentment and our fulfillment and our peace and our joy in close relationship to you. Thank you for sending us, Jesus, and introducing us. Having Jesus introduce us to you, you to us. Thank you for that. We pray, God, be, be glorified now in our lives. And as we go from this place, may it be with a brand new hunger and thirst and longing for your presence. We pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand.